In the holy name of Jesus, amen. amen. If you were to come into the church office throughout the week, and if you were to pick up our mail, you would notice that frequently throughout our mail that we receive are advertisements and mailings that we get for programs to grow the church. If you were to sit around the telephone in Monica's office, you would hear Monica talking all the time to various people who call up and say that they have the latest thing to make your church grow. If you just do this, if you just pay this monthly subscription, you are guaranteed to see your church grow and it will happen by God's amazing power only if you follow this program. You can just about imagine how Monica responds. Have a nice day. How does this place continue to go, grow and sustain and live? We can take all the trappings of the world and try to throw it in here, and we've done that at times. I myself have done it just as much as you have. We could say if we just had more of these people or those people, if we just had more of this age demographic or that age demographic, if we just had a better program for this, that, or whatever else it is, I think people would come into the church. I think we would grow. I think we would be successful. I want you to take a look at our readings, though, for today. All three of these readings talk to us about how the church not only is sustained, but how it also grows. In our Old Testament reading, Elijah has gone out to the mountains. He's gone out to the mountains because he's fearful that his own people want to kill him. He goes and hides in the mountains. He's tired of the people. They're, they're tired of him. They're tired of his sermons and his prophesying. They're tired and they at times have even threatened to kill him. So he goes up into the mountains and you'll notice what you hear in 1 Kings today. There is a strong wind that tore the mountains and broke in pieces the rocks before the Lord. Do you imagine a wind so strong that it tears apart mountains? And the writer says the Lord was not there. Then there's an earthquake, an earth-shattering earthquake and a fire. But the Lord was not in the earthquake or the fire. And after the fire, the sound of a whisper. And you'll notice what Elijah does. He covers himself in humility and he walks out and the Lord is speaking to him. What are you doing here? Why are you up in the mountains? You're supposed to be with your people. What's the matter with you? And you'll notice what Elijah says. I've been very zealous for you, Lord, God of hosts. The people of Israel have forsaken your covenant, thrown down your altars, and killed the prophets with the sword, and I, only I, am left. And they seek to take my life away, too. Can I go with you wherever you go, Lord? These people don't want to listen to what I have to say. They are rejecting what I'm saying. There is nobody who wants to follow you, Lord, anymore. They don't want to listen to your word. 
You notice what God said there? Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry to hear that. I'm sorry to hear that somebody might not like what you have to say. I'm sorry to hear that somebody might reject the word of God. Here, let me get you a nice blanket and a pillow and a cup of some water and I'll just comfort you and soothe your troubled soul. No! Get out of here! Go back down there where I told you to go. Go and be with these people. And by the way, I'm going to anoint these kings and if the people reject your message, they are going to, the kings are going to take care of these people for you. But there will always be a remnant. I will leave 7,000. 7,000 throughout the whole world who have not fallen to Baal or kissed him. Go! The odds are completely stacked against you. Go because I have said so. My word is spoken. The church is founded on the word of Christ. Faith comes by hearing and hearing through the word of God. This word, which has been made flesh for us in Jesus Christ, is living and active, able to penetrate through bone, flesh, and the hardest of hearts and make people Christians according to God's good and gracious will. But it's hard. It's hard to find people. I just celebrated my 20th anniversary of my ordination, and looking back over those 20 years, I can't tell you how many people I have been introduced to in Charlotte and in California and in Milwaukee and even here where I have sat there and I thought, there is no way. There is absolutely no way this person is going to join the church. He's got hair down below his back. He's wearing a leather jacket. He's got tattoos and spacers. He's got all sorts of crazy bumper stickers on his car that I may not agree with politically. There's no way. And yet God says, go, speak. I will take care of the rest. Then you flip over to 1 Peter. I love Trinity 5 because this is a wonderful teaching lesson for the church. You have the foundation of the word of God in 1 Kings 19. And then in 1 Peter 3, you'll notice what you who are founded in the word of God of Christ are supposed to be. Notice he doesn't sit here and say to you today, how much of the Bible do you have memorized? How much are you giving? How much are you sacrificing? How much are you leading in the church? He says, have unity of mind sympathy, brotherly love, a tender heart, and a humble mind. That's you. That's me. Changed by the word of Christ that you have heard freely and found it here. Unity of mind. We just said that in the creed. This is what we believe. Sympathy. Boy, we could really use some of that today, couldn't we? Brotherly love, a tender heart and a humble mind. But these things are not to make you better in self-help. A humble mind and a tender heart and sympathy and brotherly love are not things that you keep to yourself. They're to be given freely, 
holy, no matter what. To who? Eh, maybe the first five rows here, and the last two back there, and eh, I don't know about that side. Definitely not over here. <laughs> and we do that in the church. Then we go outside of this place, and what do we do? Oh, I'm definitely not associating with those people, that person, or whoever else it is. I'm definitely not going to interact with them because I'm a Christian. And I have better morals and better standards. Unity of mind, sympathy, brotherly love, a tender heart, and a humble mind. Do not repay evil for evil, reviling for reviling. How many of you done that this week? <laughs> On the contrary, bless, for to this you were called that you may obtain a blessing. Keep your tongue from evil, keep your lips from speaking deceit, turn away from evil and do good, seek peace and pursue it. The eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, he hears his prayers. This is all because of the hope, as Peter says, that it resides within you. This is how you have been changed. But it's so hard, Pastor, they don't want to receive my humility. Think about that statement for a moment. They don't want to receive my peace, my sympathy, my brotherly love, or they just don't appreciate it. I tell you the truth, whatever they have done to the Son of Man so they will also do unto you. You just sang a few moments ago, come follow me, the Savior spake. That's what he told his disciples. It's what he's told me. It's what he's told you. And if you follow in the path of Jesus, you will take up your cross following him, and he who rejects you will reject him who sent you. So we have the word of God. We have Brotherly love, sympathy, tenderness. That is the great mission of the church. Love your neighbor as yourself. And how in the world is all of this supposed to happen and come together? It's all wrapped up perfectly in the gospel reading for today. The early church would often look at wonderful things within the church and use simple metaphors that many of us can understand today for how the church is. And one of the earliest metaphors was what I just shared with the children, and that is of a boat. They would take a lot of this back from Noah and the ark. The Lord provides the ark for them. They are kept in safety amidst all of the drowning and death and the sorrow of the flood. And if you really think about it, particularly with this building, if you flipped it over, it looked like we're in a boat. It feel like we're in a boat. We even talk about this in our baptismal rite where we talk about the newly baptized is kept safe and secure in the ark of the holy Christian church. Jesus is on a boat today. And you'll notice where he gets on the boat. He gets actually in what's called the pulpit of the boat, the front of the boat. And this is where he preaches to his people. I'm not saying I'm Jesus, but we have a connection. There's this connection. There's a church in Staten Island, New York, in, uh, or excuse me, Long Island, New York, an LCMS church, where the pulpit is literally shaped like the front of a boat. It looks like somebody parked their sea ray up in front, and that's where 
the pastor preaches. The church is the ark by which people are called and brought in. But you'll notice how they're brought into the boat. It's this wonderful imagery of the catch of fish. Jesus' idea of fishing and bringing people into the church can be related to as fishing. But it's not like us in our own ideas of fishing, where you go out onto the lake, or you go out onto the river, and you've got your bait, you throw it out on a line, you throw out that stinky catfish cheese, and you try to find the biggest fish out there, and you reel them in one at a time. Jesus' idea of the church and bringing people into the church is fitting in line with the way that they would fish in his times. It's the way they fish out in the ocean. It's the way they fish a lot in Asia. They fish through nets, taking the nets and just dragging them along in a boat or on the side of the seashore and catching whatever it is that they can find. I love watching some of the YouTube videos of Japanese fishermen and other people as they're catching these great catches of fish and it's brought into the net, the net's brought in and it's just plopped out onto the boat and it's like, what's in here? What's this going to be like? Now what I really find fascinating is at times there are those creatures that are caught up in the net that everybody in the boat is saying, what is that? Can we touch it? Can we pick it up? You suppose we could eat it? I don't know. Don't like the way it looks. It's a little scary. Chuck it back into the ocean. Jesus, with his net of the gospel, says that the church is simply to cast the net of his word to everyone. Everyone. This is a net of inclusivity, a net that is dropped down for all to be brought in and plopped down into the church. But it's not for us to sit here with all of the catch of men and women and children and everybody else. It's not for us to sit here and say, yep, they belong and they don't. They should be in here, but they should not. It's not for us to be about that. The Word of God works when and where God pleases. He works faith when and where he pleases and in whom he pleases. The problem for us in the church is, is that we at times have looked at those who have been caught up and said, what is that? Who are they? I don't want to talk to them or interact with them. But it's a wonderful imagery and analogy for the church. Dropping the net seeing what Jesus catches up into the net of the gospel, and in the sense, as he tells his disciples, do not be afraid. They see this wonderful miracle of Jesus, and he says, you're going to now catch men. But even before that, as they go out, just like with Elijah, just like with Peter, Jesus tells his disciples, he tells me, he tells you, do not be afraid. That's not just simply because they see this and they're frightened of him, but it's because it seems like everything goes against the church today and everyone. But he tells us today, go out because you have been planted here. 
Go out because you've been baptized. Go out because you have been changed to the forgiveness of all of your sins by Jesus' death and resurrection. Love because he has first loved you. Show mercy. Remember last week, God is mercy. Thank you. All right. Yeah, God is mercy, and you are a people of mercy and of love and of forgiveness to all people. He says it to the church. Do not be afraid. Don't start looking at numbers and budgets and stats and all the other things. By the way, in the book of Numbers, God abhors the counting and recollection of numbers. He hates it. Because the Israelites would look at all this and say, Oh, look at how much we've done. Look at how much we've become. And so forth. Don't do that. He simply says to us, Go. Preach. Teach. Love. Show mercy. And he will catch who he wants to catch in his net. So as we leave this place today, let us heed the words of Jesus. Drop down your net. To Christ alone be the glory forever and ever. Amen.